Feed the Fam Podcast, Episode 5. Welcome back. I'm here with Keon Kindred, renowned skills trainer and coach of Northeast Los Angeles Prep. Keon, talk to me, man. How's everything going in this time? Oh, man, given the circumstances, um, I'm blessed. I mean, I'm alive. So, you know, just trying to figure it out like everyone else. Um, Definitely miss, you know, the thing that makes us all whole right now, which is basketball, but health is a lot more important, so basketball can wait. Yeah, that's right. Um, You have a unique opportunity right now with 2020 being so hard on this graduating class. I feel like for those who didn't necessarily get what they want and maybe junior college is not for them, prep school kind of presents a unique avenue. Talk talk a little bit about what that might offer for the guys who are in a little bit of turmoil right now with everything going on. I think you hit it right on the head. Um, being that I'm pres- I'm having a chance to have a prep school with uh, varsity 9th to 12th and then adding a post-grad program to it gives kids a, another avenue to make sure that, you know, they get the development in that they need to feel ready for college. And that's the entire reason why I took this job is to, to key in on the development, you know, as you know, working with pros the last 10 years and now on to the, the high school kids is to keep these kids ready to keep that, you know, that pipeline of talent coming out of Los Angeles uh, ready for the next level. Absolutely. I can speak to that myself. I mean, with the year, for those who don't know, um, I played with Keon in the Drew League with Redemption, and that really propelled my professional career forward. Um, and you mentioned development. What are some of the ways that being a skills trainer have enabled you to develop players in this new space that you're going to be in? I believe it's the attention to detail, Carrie. It's, it's me being able to slow the game down um, and look at it from a spectator's point of view and not so much as a player. Um, and then, of course, being the coach. But as a trainer, I'm able to to slow it down, look at it, you know, bit by bit and break your game down based on how I view you um, and what your, your ultimately what your ceiling is. You know, so it's, it's, it's easy to just get in the gym and get jumpers up and dribble the ball a thousand times. But, you know, training is kind of based on your 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 actual skill set when those lights come on. So as you know, a kid that I've worked with before, um, it's it's geared toward the athlete. So we're going to work on what you need to do in order to excel at the level you're playing at. Yeah. Part of that is definitely having real talk with these guys, right? I mean, of course. A lot of, course. of it is so much, with them. <laughs> you have to. And I feel like in that space, there's a lot of guys who who mean right but they don't necessarily get to the real. They don't necessarily get to the flaws and the holes in some of these guys game. And that's sorely lacking. Would you say that that's something that's changed over the course of time with hoop and the way it is now? I actually think it's gotten worse. I believe because, you know, with the with social media being around and people having so much access to you and visibility that it's, it's, they don't take criticism the same way, you know, it's mm. tell a kid they're, you know, they're not good going left or, you know, they, they have a tendency to every time they dribble two times with their left, they cross over. Just, you know, the, the old school tendency where we look at every move you do based on how you play. And these kids nowadays, as soon as you tell them there's something they can't do, they'll find the footage where they did it against some 5-1 kid that really, you know, just out there playing. He's not going to 
you know, excel into college or professionally. And he's like, oh, I do work on my laughingness. Uh, not necessarily, you know, you got to compare yourself against the elite, the guys that you potentially want to play against at the next level, whether collegiately or professionally. And I think that they they don't handle constructive criticism as well as my era used to, because like I said, we didn't have all the cameras. In order to really see me, care you had to play against me. <laughs> and all those times, you would have to you have have learned my game or my strength or weaknesses. <laughs> That's interesting that you bring that up. Back in the day, when there weren't as many cameras around, they have a documentary coming out on your old high school, Dominguez, and you can tell that those aren't all of the clips that were available. Talk a little bit about that time and just how crazy it was playing in those days. Oh man, it was it was a movie. It was a movie. It was it was uh like being in a rock band. <laughs> you know, like we were young rock stars and thank God the cameras weren't around <laughs> because <I'm> pretty sure <laughs> you would pretty sure we would have got in trouble, but um it was, you know, a unique experience for me going into a school where for one, it, it has this misconception that, you know, because all the talent goes there that, you know, it's a bunch of dudes is just transferring in and it's just this, you know, this real sub, suburb type mentality. Well, it's Compton, though. You're in Compton. You're in the heart of Compton. And it's nothing soft or suburban about the area you're, you're at. Um, and that was kind of the thing that most people attach to us when we were there. It's like, oh, they're from Compton. And, you know, you know, back in the day, you had EZE and NWA. Mind you, we went to high, I went to high school with his son, uh, both his kids, actually, Erica and Eric. And um, we had to carry that persona. We had to carry that toughness with us everywhere we went. But we were basketball players. So it was kind of, like I said, living the, you know, our rappers have to live that tough life in their lyrics. And then when they go to concerts, they got to still be tough. <laughs> so even if that wasn't a part of your personality, you when we put on that uniform, you turned into, you know, whatever we needed you to be at that moment to win a game. Mm. Can you talk about the new mecca of basketball? <laughs> the I've new mecca of basketball resides on the West Coast, man. Um, interesting that you brought that up. Uh, I took a lot of flack for that uh, maybe about two summers ago. Uh, Ball is Life was doing uh, a story on a few major cities, uh, basketball cities, Los Angeles, uh, New York, I want to say D.C., Chicago. And um, when the guy asked me the question, um, I said that I believe the transition of talent has moved from east to west. And I said that Los Angeles is the new mecca of basketball, man. Those East Coast people didn't like that boy. You would have thought it was going back to Biggie and Pac days. <laughs> <laughs> they did not want to hear that. I got so many death threats. <laughs> and, and I mean, all in good fun. Like, I didn't really take any of them dudes serious. You know, as you know, like I said, we know me personally. I'm not one of those dudes. You're just going to kind of walk up on in person. Like, you may see me on Instagram, but I'm a whole lot bigger than that picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I respect it, though. I mean, you look at what it used to mean to play at the Rucker and things like that, and not that it doesn't hold historical value, but you want to prove yourself. I mean, come to the Drew. Come to L.A. Right. Come do. So I like that. What do you see as the vision for what you're building at Northeast L.A. Prep? The vision, Casey, is, is to be the next... Uh, IMG, Finlay Prep, 
um, Monster Verde Academy. Like you, you got to go after the the, the the big dogs in, in in that game, the ones that have been able to produce NBA talent um, with a few national championships. But at the end of the day, they get guys out. Um, I last I checked, Monster Verde had three McDonald's All Americans this year. They went undefeated. They're sending nine guys to college. Like that's what it's all about. Granted, they were you know uber talented, so that they could have definitely won a national championship if you know the Corona stuff didn't happen. Um, but the ability to get that type of talent together to come together for one goal their senior year to just do something special. And that's what I want to bring to Los Angeles, um, being that we've already called it the new Mecca. All the talent is from here, and I just want to make sure our talent stays here. There's no need for these kids to, you know, go east or southern or go south to go to school when we can have your prep school here. We only have one real legitimate prep that people know of, which is uh, prolific prep, which is in Napa. But I don't see why we don't have one uh, here in the inner city in Los Angeles. So I want that for our city and for our players um, to have that option to come play at a prep school that is going to key in on your development, win a few games, get you seen nationally, and potentially put some pros out of there. You talked about having something like that in Los Angeles where you've been known as the gatekeeper. Uh, to me, that that always meant there's a little bit of social currency associated with knowing mm-hmm. Keon, having that pass to where Keon vouches for you as a talent. How has that been for you now that you're in a space where recruiting is a huge factor in your success? It's been a gift and a curse, and and, and I love it. You know, I'm, I'm here for that challenge. Um, the gift being that I'm validated by people feel validation. Uh, my peers have honored me with that nickname and, and, and me having that sense of responsibility and power to affect lives, you know, and affect change. Like you said, it's a person says they know me and kind of carries weight and that can also hurt you because if you say, you know, me, and you don't. And I find out that you said you don't, I mean, that you said you do now you look foolish, but um, the only downside to it is, is that people know me in one light, you know, um, being at the gatekeeper, you tie me to so many things, you know, to consider like the jack of all trades. But now in this recruiting phase, parents are a little un- unsure, which I understand where, you know, where am I fully focused? You know, are you still worrying about the Drew? Is this, you know, Air West? Are you still trying to, you know, interna- move internationally, coach internationally, go coach in the NBA? I have a, I also dib and dabble on the women's side of the basketball. So I get where there is some hesitancy about where my real focus is. It's not like I'm just doing a ton of things, but at the end of the day, I'm doing this for the same reasons I've done everything, which is to get these kids, get these players to the next level of their career and to understand it from the business side and the basketball side. So uh, I, I wear that title with pride. You talked about Air West. I still remember it. That was the first time I met you. I came up to oh, Air wow. West open gym. <laughs> <laughs> and... I wanted to play, and you you said, "What's your name?" I said, "Carrie." I said, "What's your last name?" Carter. You went to the phone real quick and looked me up. Like, oh, St. Mary's, you can play. Easy. Talk about, <laughs> <laughs> talk about that and just how it was developing Air West to that point to where I mean, I was a D one guy, an all conference guy. And you had to have some sort of notoriety to come in at Air West. It's not just open for everybody. And that's what it was built off, Casey. It was built off where could our players 
come home um, overseas or NBA and have somewhere to play where it wasn't like 24-hour fitness. You know, they, they get in the gym, they get some good bump in, and then that one random dude who says he got next, you can't really tell him no at 24-hour fitness. Like, he's a member. He, he paid his money. He has the right to hoop. So we wanted to kind of eliminate the casual hooper and, and, and give something to the, you know, the dedicated, this is my livelihood hoopers, somewhere to do that. Uh, Chris Young and I had an idea. He had the facility. I kind of had the blueprint. We came together, pitched it to Nike, and here we are eight years and running. And um, we've had a ton of NBA talent come through there, James Harden, uh, Kevin Durant, Paul George, DeMar DeRozan. Um, and we've had if – every, if, if every pro in Los Angeles that plays overseas has definitely stepped foot in there. Like I said, you came in there when you were finishing up college and – you know, um, the rest of these guys, we, we've had pre-draft had their workouts in there. So, Air West has been very vital to the to the L.A. hoop scene. And Air West had tapped into a younger generation as well, kind of bridging that gap. I saw there was some up-and-coming phenoms. How has it been offering a platform to them that was never there before to get their name out there so young and prove their talent? I think the idea was to – just give them something to do because um, we were in there what we consider our down months of our Air West when like when all you guys go back overseas when basketball's in season then technically Air West is in this down period it's still available to the like I said the casual hooper the guys that still trying to figure it out um, but we started to think about the middle school kids who technically don't have a league you know we're still trying to fix the middle school game in Los Angeles where these kids can play middle school versus middle school not be so caught up in AAU all year um, and the idea just worked. Just hey, let's invite forty middle schoolers, sixth, sixth, seventh, eighth, get them in here. Let's 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 work them out, and then let them play for an hour. And you know, we we flirted with it at first, and then it kind of just blew up to where every age group, even the girls, wanted to be involved. And now we're trying to figure out what days of the week can we devote to the young kids, and then to the uh, to the pros. Got it. So with already having that platform and offering those opportunities to young guys who already have that notoriety, who are already kind of receiving the attention. What advice would you give to somebody who's either under-recruited or completely unknown, but trying to make a name for themselves while they're young and hope? The best advice I would give them is keep working, turn the TVs off, turn the iPhones and the Androids off. Um, just keep your head low. Um the cream will always rise to the top and you got to put yourself in a position to, to, to do that, you know, under recruited a lot of people now, now with social media here, we talked earlier about how I felt it affected them negatively. Now here's the positive side of it is you can have access to every single coach in America, not only in America, yeah, you got access to everybody in the world. So now when you feel you're under recruited, you can actually, you get yourself recruited. You know, people have to understand there's a billion people playing basketball. There's 300, maybe I, I don't know the exact number, but I'm 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 guesstimating it's around 400 Division One schools. The ratio is just too low for you to make it. They can't find everybody. So what you need to do is same thing I tell my pros is get yourself out there. You can be your own agent, your own marketing you know marketing person. Just come up with your film, come up with your even workout film. Um, you know, put all your stats or your, your school, your grades and any accolades you have, put that all together, type it up, make it neat. And 
go DM Coach Calipari. <laughs> go, go DM every coach in, in college basketball. Go DM every D2, every NAIA, any school that you see your game fitting, you can now reach out to them and put yourself on their radar. And then maybe when you get that response, now you can create, you know, create a conversation where now they're looking at you. Some people just don't know because they, it's just too many people to watch. And ideally, they'll look at the Internet and find the top 100, top 250, and they'll stop there. You know, it takes it's, it's a word of mouth when it's when when it's that many people and talent is such, you know, it's so expansive that you guys got to really hone in on just getting yourself recruited by doing what you're supposed to do and not depend on others to do it. To to piggyback off that. Uh, there's just over 350 Division One schools, and wow. that's a lot of opportunities. You only need one to take a chance on you. In the recent climate, there's been a lot of talk about the transfer market and how the transfer portal has changed things. NCAA is talking about making a one-time transfer rule where kids will be eligible right away if they choose to transfer for the first time. And to be to put it frankly, a lot of coaches are unhappy about it. They feel that it's changed the the culture of hoop. As someone who transferred while you were playing and largely out of necessity, how do you feel that that label fits? Because I know sometimes you can't you can't go one size fits all with that stuff. So do you feel like that's a fair assessment? It is. I mean, and the stigma just comes along with it because you have to look at it from a third person's view. You know, you just hear the word transfer. You know, you either transfer because something was bad on your end or something was bad on theirs. And you just have to live with the title. But it's 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 the next move that matters. If you are transferring, transfer into the situation that works. You don't want to be the guy that does it twice, you know, so that that's where the, the mistakes come from. Long, and when you're speaking longevity, you know, a guy that has transferred three, four schools, all right, it may be not, it's, maybe it's not the schools, bro. <laughs> it's you, you know, so – I get the one time you can, you know, you were recruited highly. I was recruited highly. They're going to tell you everything you want to hear. And we were young and you're going to, it just sounds good. Everything, you know, oh man, this is going to be amazing when I get there. And we both know the reality isn't always what we're told. So I get that the situation may not work. You can be injuries play a role into it. You know, just personal life plays a role. And sometimes you just may have to hit the reset button and, Giving that option to now go transfer and play right away is going to help a lot of kids because that one year sitting out could really turn people off and, you know, that basketball motor, you know, not to play for a whole year if you're not hurt, Kerry. And we both have been through, you and I, personally, where injuries had us sit out and we wanted to play the next day. But when you're healthy and have to sit out, I can, I can see the mental game that it plays with you. I love that. Talk a little bit about that. That's something that I went through recently. And people don't understand the amount of mental fatigue that a physical injury will play. Talk about how you went through your injuries and how it helped your personal development. Oh, man. You know, what's crazy, we hear it growing up and you never want it to be you. And I think I'm the living embodiment embodiment of the you're one injury away from never playing again. I never believed it. I always thought I was Superman. And based on my size, most people thought I was as well. So when basketball was taken from me because I suffered two major knee injuries. Um, I was in college for six years and only was able to play two. So that lets you know <laughs> how my body ended up having, uh, going for me. And then I just learned in those moments when I took it for granted, it's very similar Carrie, to how we are now. Like, you know, we're in quarantine. Like when you and I spoke earlier, it was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> 
I'm a trainer and a coach, and basketball's taken away from me again. But this time, it's not because of my health, but it's to protect my health. So me just kind of putting that together, your mental health means so much. And injuries tend to to stab at it because you end up believing this, who I was and who will I become. And that part is such a, you know, the man in the mirror can never lose to the man looking in the mirror, if you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. Man, that's deep. Last question for you. What advice would you give young guys who are looking to follow a similar path that you've taken? Ah, uh, well, that's kind of a that's kind of a two-sided uh, answer. For one, stay your butt off the concrete because I grew up playing outside. So that's kind of one of the reasons why my knees were um, you know, affected later in my career, but to 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 bring that into today's time is don't overtrain, you know, uh, be smart about where you play and how much you play, you know, be yeah. smart about how how long you're playing and, you know, make sure you, you're doing injury prevention. One thing I've always respected about your game, Kerry, was how you valued your body. You know, I wish I was, I had that mentality when I played, like you're always stretching, you're always hydrated. You, you know, you cool, you have your cool downs, your warmups, like you understand. Yeah. You understand how to take care of yourself. And um, that's what I would tell. That's what I would tell any kid that is um, trying to make it at the next level. Take care of your body. I like that. Keon, appreciate you, man. Very excited for your new venture at Northeast LA Prep. Thanks for coming on. KC, it's always love, brother. We'll talk soon. Stay healthy out there, and um, God bless.